God is good. Amen. I love this song because the song talks about inviting the presence of God, his Holy Spirit here in our midst. And God's word encourages and promises us that where two or three are gathered in his name concerning a matter, he is here. And uh, there's more than two or three people here. And uh, so we believe wholeheartedly that God is in this place. And before we jump into a time of prayer, uh, Pastor Dave in the back room, uh, but before service, he was talking about, he feels like the Lord's going to do something this service, the Holy Spirit's moving, and uh, I'm sitting up here worshiping, and when this song comes on, it brings something right back to my memory that happened uh, last week. And uh, for those of you who know me, I'm, I'm a nerd, uh, you know I like all sorts of random things, uh, but one of my favorite favorite things uh, is book series. I love, I love reading, and there are some very specific authors I like to read. Uh, one of them, a uh, uh, guy by the name of Clive Staples Lewis. Uh, you might know him better as C.S. Lewis. Uh, and C.S. Lewis, uh, he writes this children's book series. Maybe you're familiar with it, The Chronicles of Narnia. Anyone ever read, heard, watched Chronicles of Narnia? Uh, it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. Um, so bear with me for just a few moments as I, as I share with you what the Lord has kind of putting on my heart. But uh, so if you're familiar, most people are familiar with the first book he wrote, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, these four siblings, they get transported through this wardrobe to Narnia. They meet Aslan. And Aslan's this beautiful Christ-like figure. Um, the third book that he writes is The Voyage of the Dawn Shredder. Lucy and Edmund, if you know the story, they go back and they travel with Prince Caspian across the seas to the end, to Aslan's land. It chokes me up every time. But they get there, and they're like, can we, can we stay here with you, Aslan? And he goes, no, 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 you have to go back to your world. And they're like so overwhelmed because they've been in the presence of Aslan, this Christ figure. And, and he goes, but don't worry, don't worry. You'll, you'll get to know me there too. And, and, and Lucy's so excited with tears in her eyes. She says, wait, you're in our world also? And Aslan says to Lucy, he says, he says, Yes, but you'll have to know me by a different name. And Lewis, he, he, he's writing this story to his kids as a way to share the gospel and as a way to, to invite his kids to know Jesus. But the part that really gets me, like that gets me choked up, but last week I was reading the prequel to it all, The, mag the Magician's Nephew. And there's this point in The Magician's Nephew, and it's all sorts of fun story and all this stuff. But there's this simple cab driver. He's got his horse, and he gets transported, like, to Narnia, the very creation of Narnia. And there's a beautiful story of Aslan singing creation into existence. It's, it's awesome because we know through Scripture that all things are created through Christ. And, and this is that picture. And there's this whole dialogue going on. And Aslan, like, interrupts the dialogue that's happening between these kids and between the creatures. And Aslan turns and he looks at the cab driver. And I'm going to read this because if I try and say it from memory, I'm going to just start blubbering on stage like I already am. But Aslan turns to the cab driver and he says, Son, I have known you for a long time. Do you know me? The cab driver responded, well, no, sir, at least not in an ordinary manner of speaking. 
Yeah, I feel somehow, if I may have known you at some time before, and the cab driver starts realizing that his simple faith he had in this world was a relationship with Aslan from the other world, and it's all a type and a picture of Christ. And then Aslan says to him, he says, well, you do know me, and you actually know me in more ways than you know, and you'll learn to get to know me in even a deeper way. And as we sing this song this morning about inviting the Holy Spirit here, the presence of God here, there is a very real God. And if, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you know this. But that God says to you, I know you. Do you know me? And if our response is yes, or I think so, or not very well, he says, well, guess what? Good news. You know me better than you think. And you're going to get to know me even better. Amen. We have a very real God who wants to have personal relationship with each of us. And so no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you've gone through, the Holy Spirit that in this song we invite in this room, He is here and He wants to touch your heart. He wants to touch your mind. He wants to touch your life. The God, the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe, just like in that book, He stops all of the creation and He looks and He says, I know you, the creator of our universe who holds all the elements together. Everything is held together by Him. He stops and He says, I know you, do you know me? And so today, I think that question from the Lord is, do you know me? And do you want to know me better? Because I know you and I have so much for you. I love you so much. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you care for us. God, that you formed and you fashioned us. God, while we were still in our mother's womb, you knew the plans and the purposes that you have for each and every single one of us. And God, you demonstrated your love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us so that we could have new life, so that we could have relationship with you. And God, there's a hope and that there is a promise that, God, we will spend eternity with you. And God, we long for that. And in the here and in the now, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would fill us anew with power, with boldness, with those giftings and those operations that we see in Scripture. God, we pray that you would, if it's for one person or for, it's for many, God, that you would do a touch and a change in a heart even now. God, that you by your Holy Spirit and that still small voice would say to us, you know me better than you think. And you're going to get to know me more. God, we thank you. God, we pray for your church. God, your church that meets here at Hillside. God, your church that meets at so many physical locations across our county, across our state, across our country, and across the world. God, we pray for your church. God, where it seems to be excelling and where it seems to be facing persecution. God, across the spectrum, we, play, we, we pray for your church, God, that you would establish your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. 
God, we pray for our missionaries, those who go out and bring the gospel in an apostolic way to places where it may have never been brought before. God, we pray for the Ransom family in Northern Asia, Lord, that you would do a mighty work. God, that you would be preparing the soil of the hearts that will hear the good news of a God who loves and who cares and who laid down his life. God, we pray that you would bring supernatural, God, that you would bring divine healing, God, in hearts and lives and emotions and, and in physical ways. Lord, specifically this morning we pray for the Gonin family, God, Sebastian and Samantha. God, we pray for Samantha's mother who was struck by a car last week. God, we pray for healing. God, we pray for physical recovery. God, we pray for mental recovery. God, we pray that you would do a work that only you can do. God, so many more. God, we pray for the needs of your people. God, this morning we lift up our country. God, we pray for our leaders. We pray for those who are lawmakers and governors. God, we pray that you would soften their hearts, Lord, and that they would hear from you. Lord, that you would do a work. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan where great persecution is taking place. God, we pray for the persecuted church across the globe. God, that you would give strength, that you would give boldness. God, that you would bring liberation. But Lord, that you would be glorified. God, we thank you so much. God, we pray all these things according to your will. God, we believe this, we receive this, and we pray this in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. All God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house, amen? Amen. amen. You had to say something about, like, crying on stage. <laughs> <laughs> the prophet Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on his throne. Father, today, may we see you seated on the throne. Lord, we are not. Other things are not. You are. High and exalted. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is the Lord. Lord, we love you. Help us, Lord, to see 
Lord, even our own sense of ourselves in light of your magnificence, your holiness, your glory, and who you are, God. We need the unveiling of our eyes, Lord, so that we might see you. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I, uh, I thought I was gonna sing I told my family that I was even going to sing, um, well, I told a couple in my family that, and they said, tell us the song so we can discourage you. <laughs> but I find myself anymore, I can't carry a tune, although I will say, uh, thanks be to God, um, someone told me on uh, Friday that God is tone deaf. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. <laughs> but we are not. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Jim. <laughs> we welcome this morning our brothers uh, from Freedom House, Pastor Jim and Jerry, your wife. Thank you guys for your faithfulness. So many years of ministry, so many lives transformed by the power of the gospel the work of God's word in our lives and the work of the Spirit of God in the lives of men. Brothers, we're glad you're with us this morning worshiping the Lord together. Amen. We love these guys. We support them. We've supported them from day one of Hillside, and they are doing the work, pounding it out. So, guys, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, Pastor Matthew prayed for uh, the Ransom family in Northern Asia, the work that is going on there. Uh, you know that on a global scale, there are many things that are happening right now that raise our thoughts, raise our um, awareness of global things and potentially even prophetic calendars and the imminent return of our Savior, Jesus. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. I say that because as a minister of the gospel of Jesus, I want us to be aware of the times with which we are living in. The Pharisees in the first century were chastised by Jesus for not knowing the signs and the seasons which which they lived. They should have known this thy day of your visitation. And how they should have known this thy day. On the day of the triumphal entry. They should have known that that day, that specific day, the 10th of Nisan, that that was the day that was prophesied by, the Dan by Daniel the prophet, who said it would be seven sevens and 62 sevens. For 483 years, 173,880 days to the day. And he showed up on that day, Messiah revealed. And they did not know the day, and they should have. 
all of the prophecies were for the nation of Israel regarding the Messiah. They had care of all of those words, but they did not take heed to those words, and they were ill-prepared. And because of their ill-preparedness, blindness was put upon them, and the gospel has come to the Gentiles, which you and I are, thanks be to God. But Jesus also reminded us, he said, we can know the signs and the season. No man knows the day or the hour of the imminent second advent of Jesus, but we can definitively know the seasons. Israel became a nation again in May of 1948, and that kicked in a clock, if you will, a calendar, if you will. And we are embarking again upon the Feast of Trumpets. We are embarking on Rosh Hashanah, September 7th of this year, and Yom Kippur, the 16th of September this year. Christ fulfilled in his first advent all of the spring feasts, the coming of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, and it is very probable, because our God is a God of pattern, that his second advent will be during the fall festival. He's a God of pattern. That is what he has done thus far. I anticipate that's what he is going to continue to do, let alone you have in your Bible in Matthew chapter 17 where Peter, James, and John were invited by Jesus to come upon the mountain with him, and there he was transfigured before them, and two other individuals showed up with him, Moses and Elijah. Moses, a saint who had died in the faith. Elijah, one who was taken up in a whirlwind in the faith. A dress rehearsal, Jesus revealed in all of his glory. Christ coming with the church, the dead in Christ who will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Moses and Elijah coming with the glorified Jesus. And we know specifically that Peter spoke on that day, and he said, it is good, Lord, that we are here. Let us build tabernacles for you and Moses and Elisha. It was the festival of booths. It is the fall feast. I believe that was a dress rehearsal. And that will be, and so September is upon us. And I am looking forward to the imminent return. Christ could come back, are you with me, in the next three weeks. Every single September, I look to the east and say, the sun of righteousness is rising. Will today be the day? Will today be the day? Last year, I was absolutely certain in my own heart and mind that Jesus was coming. I didn't say it publicly. I kind of am saying it publicly now. <laughs> Once again, here we are coming upon September, and I believe that Jesus is coming. And yet, there's work to be done. Can I get an amen? amen? So though I hope in my heart, and I know you do, there is work to be done. So let us put our hand to the plow 
and be about our king's business. Can I get an amen? Let us not become lax. Let us not be asleep. Let us not be weary in well-doing, but let us put our hand to the plow and get busy in Jesus. Amen. We are in a series called King's Council. This is week four of King's Council. Next week will be week five. I had intended that week five would be the council regarding King Hezekiah because King Hezekiah does something absolutely magnanimous more than what the kings thus far we've looked at. We've looked at a number of kings who did right in the eyes of the Lord. However, they did not tear down the high places and the people still offered incense and worship in those high places to idols. Hezekiah also tore down the high places. I like that. So there's a little snippet of what sermon next week was going to be. I want to encourage you to be here on September 4th. I know it's a Labor Day weekend. Many of you will be doing some other things. You can tune in online like many are tuning in right now online. Next Sunday, we will be in King's Council, but the King's Council we are going to look at is King Jesus. And we're going to look at a prophetic update and the imminent return of Christ so that in our hearts we will be ready, in our bodies we will be ready, and we can renew our engagement in his kingdom. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, so that being said, now business as usual, right? So yes, Jesus is returning, but I'm not going to sell all my goods and go wait on the mountain in my white robes and say, come on, Jesus, today. I saw some of you out there. <laughs> I'm teasing. Pastor Matt said, uh, I was going to share a quick generosity moment. I'm going to tell you, it will be quick in the sense that it is uh, just a few words today, but the request is that you and I would be faithful in that which God has entrusted to us, correct? Can I get an amen? amen. You and I own nothing. Right? Remember that. We own nothing. We are stewards of what has been entrusted to us. It puts a whole different perspective on our stewardship. Right? The scripture tells us how can the true riches of the kingdom be entrusted to us if we are not faithful with that which belongs to another? Process that for a moment. That has an impact because the tithe belongs to the Lord. And if we can't be faithful with, with that which belongs to another, how can the true riches of the kingdom be entrusted to us? That's on an individual basis and collectively. We tithe on the tithe. Can I get an amen? amen. So all that comes into the storehouse, 10% goes back out to the mission field. Come on. I mean, that's exciting. But it bears 
reality for each of us individually, okay? So I just want to encourage you, be faithful to that which does not belong to you anyway. Amen? That's pretty simple, isn't it? There you go. Thanks, Pastor. Now, here's some good news. The Lord has been stirring me. Mm, I mean, staff could probably tell you there's probably in the last six weeks and in a heightened way, probably in the last three weeks, and just a sense of faith, hope, expectation, and heaven's windows, heaven's doors being opened. And God raining down provision. We had an anonymous gift given as a matching gift to stir up faith in all of us. You know, in June, we had 30K in 30 days raising above and beyond the tithe, right? Remember that? Remember that? Nod your head and say, yay. <laughs> and you raised $33,000, 10% over. Man, praise the Lord. Give yourselves a hand. That was exciting. So here's the story. Are you ready for this? Seatbelts on. Everybody lean forward a little bit like you're waiting. Bated breath. Come on. Come on. Lean forward. Lean forward. Lean. I mean it. Lean forward. Here it comes. I'm not telling you until you lean forward. <laughs> We're moving into 40K in 40 days. From September 1 to Sunday, October 10th, 40 days. To raise 40K in 40 days. Every dollar given is matched. Every thousand dollars given is matched up to twenty thousand dollars which equals forty thousand dollars for everyone given can i get an amen, amen. <laughs> that's like in a way we're halfway there you might know that secular song oh halfway there oh living on a prayer <laughs> all right so i'm just inviting you again it is equal sacrifice, not equal giving. Right? In this room, listen, in this room, every single person can participate. It doesn't matter if you're young. Or old. <laughs> Thanks for volunteering. <laughs> we can all participate. And I'm just encouraging you, above and beyond the tithe, talk to the Lord, and if he would have you to do something, please participate. Amen? Amen. Lots of ways to give, kiosk, uh, you can drop envelopes in the thing, you can give online, you can text in church and give, so amen, amen. Uh, that all transpired yesterday. So Grace, I couldn't even give you time to come up with a really cool graphic, <laughs> so yeah, it's just good news, praise God. Um, can I wear my hat this morning? There we go. How's that look? <laughs> My daughter-in-law said, if you're feeling uncomfortable wearing it, then don't wear it. I'm always more comfortable wearing a hat. I coach football. And I wear a hat every day. I probably do that to protect my head. 
uh, from Son. I feel like I was supposed to tell you something else. We're going to get into the Word in just a moment. You can turn in your Bibles to uh, 2 Kings chapter 15, if you will. I always carry paper with me, and I fold it in quarters, and then I end up with all my stuff, uh, the things I feel like the Lord's speaking to me, some of which I want to share with you, not all of this stuff you get to hear about. Uh, last Sunday, oh, here's a scorecard from a game that was not finished, and it has to happen. The, the Lord wasn't speaking in the scorecard. However, I will say that of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people at church camp out that were playing this game, anybody want to guess who's in first place? Sorry, sorry, bro. <laughs> you, uh, Adam is affectionate. No. Will, where are you? Where's Will? Will's not here this morning. Well, Will, he's officially known as Beetlebaum in this game. Okay. Uh, last week in King's Council, we looked at Amaziah. Oh, there's Noah back there. Uh, your brother-in-law, he's Beetlebaum. Just you can let him know. For now, for now. Last week, we looked at uh, Church on the Wild. We looked at King Amaziah. Amaziah was a good king. Uh, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Can someone say amen? He did some really good things. Like is immediately he became king, he obeyed. His dad had been killed, jo uh, Jehoash. And so he immediately came in. I think I have this right. He immediately came in. Maybe I'm saying, did I say Amaziah? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, son of <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and the guys who killed his dad, he eliminated them according to the law of Moses. He obeyed the law of Moses. But he didn't kill their kids because the law of Moses says don't do that. Everyone will stand in their own sin. And so he obeyed the word of the Lord. How many of you would say that's good advice? Amen? Amen. Um, and he was going to go out to war against the Edomites, the descendants of Esau. So here again we have this conflict, the sons of Jacob and the sons of Esau. Two nations were in mama's womb and they were fighting against each other and the older the older would serve the younger well the Edomites to that day had just been in conflict and so yeah, yeah and it so the whole deal is he went out he was going to go to battle against the Edomites but he counted his men and they were about 300,000 guys and he's like probably not enough I'll hire some mercenaries from the north in Israel. So he hires 100,000 guys and pays them 100 talents of silver. And a man of God comes to him and says, do not go to war with the Israelites. In other words, don't take those guys with you. Here's why. God is not with them. I am not with them. Let me caution everyone, if you weren't there, there were a number of us that were there, but for those of you who weren't, here, here's just a little piece of wisdom. Don't, not, don't make an alliance without praying to your father first, and wait till he says yea or nay, right? Amaziah didn't pray, he made this unholy alliance, and God now sends a man to him and says, don't go to war with them. He says, God is able to help 
and able to overthrow your enemies. That's a, that's a message for you and I. In your circumstance and my circumstance, God is able to help and he's able to overthrow. Amaziah says, but what about the hundred talents of silver? And the man of God said, God is able to give you much more than this. Don't go after those things that we've engaged in that were even unholy. Even if it cost us something, God is able to replenish that. Can I get an amen? Okay. So that was kind of the message last week. So we come into today, and uh, I, I don't have a clock, and I don't have my, do I have my phone? I have my phone. Okay, I want to I be sensitive. It's already 11, that's not fair. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Matt told that story of Narnia and Aslan. I was like, hey man, that's sermon time, bro. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, Give due diligence to the text, and I'm going to try and go through a little bit of stuff quickly regarding the king that we are going to look at today. So uh, it's King Count, King's, King's Council Week 4, and if I had a title, uh, go ahead and flip to the next. It'd be more things from another king. More things or more lessons, if you will, from another king. 2 Kings 15, verses 1 through 7 say this. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, that'd be Jeroboam II, Azariah, or Uzziah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Everyone just applause. That's just exciting. Yeah, go ahead, clap, clap. That's good. Yay! He did right. Hallelujah. According to all that his father Amaziah had done. Okay, so good things. Uh, except that the high places were not removed, the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Challenge for you and I in our lives to not be like Amaziah, to not be like Ahaziah or Uzziah. Let's tear down the high places in our lives. If something is gripping you, Listen to me for a moment and look this way. If there is some sin, some weight that easily besets you, trips you up, gets you going down the wrong thought patterns, we got to replace that stuff with the things that are right. Can I get an amen? Those things that will actually inspire us, encourage us, and lead us to be and to do kingdom-oriented behaviors, kingdom-oriented thoughts bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We demolish the arguments. And so we have to get there. And God can enable us, God can empower us to do that. Tear down high places. Probably a number of sermons in there. Okay, and that goes on verse 5. Then the Lord struck the king. So that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in, ice, in an isolated house. And Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people and the land. Now the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, uh, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Azariah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. So... Did right in the eyes of the Lord, didn't tear down the high places, and he struck with leprosy. 
What gives here? You know, it's like uh, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story, right? We want the rest of the story. Why, if he did right, was he struck with leprosy? To get the rest of the story, you have to go to the book that's referenced, which is the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah, which you and I have in the Word of God, First and Second Chronicles. And Uzziah, the king, is recorded for us in Second Chronicles chapter 26. You'll have to read the whole chapter on your own. I'm going to try and go through it relatively quickly. So 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we'll look at the first five verses, and then I'm going to commentate on the remaining from uh, verse 6 through 23. So 2 Chronicles 26, now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah. Oh, there's new information. He built Elath. Where is Elath? Anybody want to know where Elath is? It's right there. No, I mean, it's, you look close. Okay, it's, it's where, where Israel comes right down to the Sea of uh, Aqaba. There's a little city that used to be called Elah. It's now Eliat. Okay? It's a city right there. Okay? And it's, it's a border city right down the middle of the city. Half of it is Israel. Half of it is Jordan. Okay? He built it. He took it back. And uh, Judah reigned over that house. Okay? And then it says... Uh, let's see where did I lose my place. Okay, uh, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. Oh, and the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was sixteen years old, verse three, when he became king, and he reigned fifty-two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all his father Amaziah had done. Listen, verse five, he sought God. In the days of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, this is not Zechariah the prophet that we have here. However, Zechariah was a prophet. This is just not the one in, in the text. So make note of that. He sought God. There is a lesson in that for every one of us. Seek the Lord while he may be found and what? Call upon him while he is near. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Listen, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Come on now, listen. If we seek the Lord, God will cause us to prosper. Does the prosperity here mean financial gain? Not necessarily. Yes, but it's prosperity of soul. May your soul prosper. Right? And it's, it's prosperity in family. The treasures of the righteous are many in the house of the righteous. Right? Can you put a price tag on love? Right? Can you put a price tag on peace relationship-wise? Husbands and wives, if you have peace between the two of you, put a numeric value on that. And instantly you won't have peace. <laughs> Right? Okay. So praise the Lord. There's already some lessons in here. Now, when you get to 2 Chronicles 26, verses 16 through 15, you find out about some of the feats that Uzziah accomplished. And he was, he was an amazing guy. He was, 
He was known in the world. He was known. In his day, only one other king was more prosperous than him, which would have been Jehoshaphat, until you get, you know, go back upstream to Solomon. So he's like number three. I mean, that's, that's a bronze medal. Okay? He, d- he did a pretty good job. So militarily, his achievements, uh, God helped him against the Philistines. He took Philistine cities uh, against the uh, Arabians uh, and against the uh, Meunites. Right? Uh, those are the guys who think about themselves all the time. <laughs> Me, you know. <laughs> Sorry. And the Ammonites also paid tribute to him. So he's like taking things back into possession that others had relinquished from them previously. So militarily, he was good. And his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt because he was exceedingly strong. His engineering feats, amazing. He built towers in Jerusalem and he built towers in the desert. How do you build towers in the desert? You gotta get stuff there to build them. His towers, 225 feet in height. Yeah, that's like, I mean... There's 31 buildings in downtown Portland that are over 450 feet high, uh, or excuse me, over uh, 250 feet high. 31 buildings. Some of them are over 400 feet, but 31 buildings over 250 feet. His construction were building towers almost to that same height. One of those buildings that is uh, 250 feet high, it's 22 stories. Wrap yourself around that for a moment. He's building towers 20 stories high. Yeah, that's a wow moment. This guy was, he was accomplishing some amazing feats. Not only so, uh, built these towers, the buttresses of the wall, etc., fortified them, blah, blah, blah. He had agricultural feats. I mean, if we had time to study what he did to actually get water to spaces, it's just unbelievable. Digging trenches. He was the trench king. I mean, he dug ditches and he moved water. And because he moved water, Plants flourished, and they planted things everywhere. Oh, no. Is it really already 1110? Guy. Okay, well, give me a little more time. Thanks, Mariah. She's my little timer. Um, okay. Manufacturing achievements. He made weapons. He is like the Tony Stark of the day. <laughs> he, in these fortresses and buttresses, he made bows that shot like a machine gun, arrows. Just arrows. Amazing stuff. He made trebuchets and catapults, launching very large stones at enemies that would attack. I mean, if you've seen a trebuchet, throw a boulder, pretty impressive stuff. All you have to do is watch the second Narnia series and you'll see some trebuchets. (laughs) That little reference. Thanks, Matt. (laughs) So this guy, he's done these great things, and here's the problem when you and I have success. What is our tendency when we see success? Big head. (laughs) Who said that? That was good. Big head. Yeah, I can't navigate anymore because I can't get through the door, right? I mean, we get big old noggins, and we start thinking bigger of ourselves. We start thinking improper self view. And that is exactly what happened with Uzziah. So big his head got that he actually went into the temple in a white 
gown with a censer to burn incense. And then one of the priests with 80 other brothers come to him and said, King, you cannot do this. This is for the sons of Aaron. And only for the sons of Aaron. And he was enraged at them. And leprosy broke out on his head. And out of fear and the driving of the priest, they drove him out. It's probably the third mention of a car in Scripture. <laughs> they drove him out of the temple. What we don't have is the additional information about how that happened. Extra-biblical resources, Josephus of the first century records that there was an earthquake, a large earthquake, and the temple rent, and the beam of sun came, and it captured the king right on the face, and leprosy broke out on him. Now, what's amazing is we do have record of the prophets that were prophesying during the time that Uzziah was king. One of them was Amos. Amos was prophesying in the north. Listen to Amos chapter 1. Amos chapter 1 says, the words of Amos, who was among the sheep bearers of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. It's very probable that the earthquake that Amos is talking about is the earthquake that occurred that we have record of in Josephus, not in the text. But here, Zechariah also mentions it. The prophet Zechariah from, you know, about the 650 B.C. era. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 5. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Now this is a prophecy concerning Messiah and his second advent when he is going to come and he is going to set his foot upon the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives is going to rent in two. And there's going to be a great valley that's caused because a great earthquake is going to happen. That's coming. Can I get an amen? That's exciting. You might want to read that chapter. <laughs> he says, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. What? I don't know if those two correlate together, but here's what's fascinating to me. The brother got big-headed, and he got dumb in his big-headedness. He got haughty in his thinking, right? The scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 16, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. There's wisdom in there for you and me. So here's two lessons. Lesson number one, he did good while he had a spiritual mentor and he had accountability. Right? As long as Zechariah was around, he was doing pretty good. Reminds us of a couple of other kings, right? Jehoash did right all the days that he was instructed by Jehoiada the priest. 
right? That's important, okay? So he did good while he had a spiritual mentor and accountability. So like his grandfather Jehoash, Jehoiada with a priest, Uzziah had Zechariah the prophet. Hey, you and I, what about you? Do you have a true spiritual mentor in your life? Let us sink in for a moment. Do you have a true spiritual mentor in your life? Now what I mean by that is Pastor Dave could be quote unquote a macro mentor on spiritual things in your life. But we need micro spiritual mentors in our life. Someone who is going to be in our grill, so to speak, in contact and know us through and through. To be known. In your life and in my life, someone should know everything on this planet. Jesus knows it all. The angels know it all. Because they see it. And they record it. But who knows you and holds you accountable? I mean, how many years in addiction recovery? 33 years in addiction recovery, and probably the greatest strength for any, any brother or sister going through any level of addiction, which and I'm not just talking drugs and alcohol, I'm talking about any kind of addiction, right? Too much TV. You with me? That simple. I speed all the time. That's an addiction. How about drive the speed limit? Who's your accountability? Who's helping you to stay the straight and narrow, right? We need that. We need accountability. Someone say Amen. Listen, because many of us sitting here do not have that. We don't have it. And it will not happen by osmosis. I laid my head down on the pillow, and all of a sudden I woke up and I had a mentor. It is not going to happen that way. You can't wish it to happen. You have to go make it happen. You have to get in someone's grill and say, hey, I need accountability and you find, find someone who can be trustworthy, build relationship if it's not already there, and get to the place where you can tell them what you struggle with in life so that they can be support and help you to be more than an overcomer through Christ. Can I get an amen? Okay. That's important. For the second lesson, the song I was going to sing, I see, uh, I see the Lord seated on his throne, exalted, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, 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 holy. Holy is the Lord. You know, holy is the Lord. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord of Lord. Yeah, that we this we learn something in Isaiah six. I sang it. Sorry, John. <laughs> Part of it, anyway. Isaiah six. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uzziah was king in his latter years when Isaiah became prophet or began to prophesy for Israel. 
it's noted that it's probable that Isaiah was a cousin of King Uzziah. And Uzziah was a good king. Some even children's lessons I read this past week, even, you know, they went to the temple together kind of stuff. I'm not sure what history they gathered that stuff from, but it could make good sense. Is it possible that Isaiah had put Uzziah, a good king, potential family member, potential friend, but certainly a king that is renowned and was doing right in the eyes of the Lord that maybe he had lifted him up a little bit high. And it wasn't until Uzziah was removed that he saw the Lord high and exalted, the one who actually is on the throne. The vision that Isaiah had, I think Leonard Ravenhill one of the great turn-of-the-century preachers, little into the 20th century preacher, said it this way. It was a vision, one of confession, cleansing, and commission. Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. Lo, I've seen the king. And he said, go, woe, low, and go. Confession, cleansing, and commission. It was upward. I see him high and exalted. It was inward. I see how I really am. I see how I really am. When I see him, I see me. And the contrast is so stark that it produces something in the prophet. Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I'm amongst a people who are unclean. And it is outward. He hears the Lord, whom shall we send and who will go for us? And he said, here am I, send me, send me. One of height, one of depth, and one of breadth. One of holiness, one of hellishness, and one of hopefulness. Thanks be to God. And so I say this, our second lesson that we learn. Exalting anyone or anything, self, another, or something, will hinder our view and our understanding of who truly is on the throne. If we have the wrong view of ourselves, we might think we're on the throne. We make statements like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that without thought. When God might actually be saying, yes, you will. That's exactly what I want you to do. Right? And we judge things incorrectly. We judge people incorrectly because we don't have a proper view of who we are or who people are. I wonder, because after Uzziah was removed, he had both a vision of God, exalted, he had a vision of himself, and I would say proper perspective of self. I am not on the throne. He is. And there's a stark gap, big 
And he heard his voice. If we inventoried everybody in the room this morning or online this morning, when was the last time you heard the voice of the Spirit of God in your own life? We'd have a variety of degrees of answers. Right? What hinders us from hearing? So what about you and me? In both of these lessons, right? Do we have the spiritual mentor? Do we have accountability? Or are we doing our own thing? And then secondly, uh, have we exalted ourselves to the position where I want to be in charge? I just want to have control. I want to, I, 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 me, 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 or someone else. I've exalted someone else. I've esteemed someone else in a disproportionate estimation of really who they are. Or something. Right? Idols made of metal. Idols made of wood. So we don't, we, don't, we don't carve images. What do you live in? A house made of sticks. <laughs> right? I mean, we, sometimes we, it's what we have. Maybe it's keeping up with the Joneses. Maybe, maybe it's just inordinately putting too much time and investment in that. What about the kingdom? Right? What did, the, what did some of the prophets have to say to the children of Israel? Right? I mean, you go back and you read what some of them say, and they say, hey, how is it that your houses are finished? And the house of, the God, the house of God lays in ruins. You were sent back to fix the house of God, and you did this. What have you and I been sent to do? Build the house of God. We have one mission. Evangelize the world. But we haven't because we're busy over here. Right? Time is short. Again, I'm preaching to me. This, this is what the Spirit of God's saying to me. And I think because he's saying it to me, I think he's saying it to us. Can I get an amen? Don't leave today and say, well, that's for Dave. Because <laughs> I do, I believe that God gives us the message. And sometimes it's a wake up. Hey, get up. So what about you and me? Do we have a clear vision of who God is? Do we have a clear vision of who we are? And what it is that I'm supposed to be doing or being? What Uzziah do you need removed from your life? Is it you? Do you need to simply get out of the way so that you can see God? Is it your ambitions? Is it another? Is it a thing? The stuff of this world? What Uzziahs do we need to remove? I think the worship team is coming back. Is the worship team coming back? Oh, well, yeah, we have three minutes. I mean, wait, we're 12 minutes over. <laughs> Thanks for this morning. Um, I do believe that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to do something in you and me. Some of us have some Uzziahs that are in the way. And until that Uzziah is removed, your view will be hindered of who is on the throne, which will hinder every decision you make. The Spirit of God is faithful, and he's speaking to some of you right now about what your Uzziah looks like. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's your 
I don't know, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's, maybe it's your house, maybe it's your job, maybe it's your career, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's your bank account, maybe it's your retirement fund. Which, by the way, all that stuff is passing away. Right? You know, the more stuff we have, it's just fuel for the fire. But I want to have a really big fire. <laughs> yeah, we're not taking any of the stuff with us. The only thing we can take with us is other people. Which, by the way, is the true riches of the kingdom. Right? If I'm not faithful with that which belongs to another, will God entrust souls to us as a, as a fellowship? Right? So what Uzziahs, what does your Uzziah look like? And uh, worship team, you're off the hook, unless you wanted to come back up. You, you're like, he's like, hey, PD, that's on you. <laughs> let, let, let's stand this morning. It's almost 1130. Let's, let's close with a word of prayer. My invitation to you, along with me, every person here, no matter how old you are, to have things in proper perspective. Amen? We need that. It's a check. This is checkpoint Charlie. We've got to take spiritual stock. Do I have something in the way? Do I have a clear vision of God? Do I have a clear vision of me? And am I hearing what he is saying? The conversation is going. The conversation. Heaven is just alive with conversation. I mean, God's speaking. Are we hearing what he's saying? The Spirit of God will not speak on his own accord. He will speak only those things that he has heard. But he is speaking. What is he speaking to you? So, Father, we come this morning in Jesus' name. And thank you, God, for King Uzziah, who did some things really, really well and then kind of got full of himself, took some credit for some of the things, got a little bit swelled up with pride and listened to the voice of the enemy, I'm sure. And then ultimately, it's, he became very presumptuous. God, may we not live a life of presumption. And even, even presumption, God... Where sometimes we don't mean to be presumptuous, but yet we live presumptuously without even consulting you, without speaking to you. We just make decision after decision after decision after decision. Sometimes we even justify it in our own hearts and our minds when we say things like, well, it seemed good to us, seemed good to the Holy Ghost, amen. But reality, when we look inwardly and we line ourselves up against the mirror of the Word of God, we realized we just did it without any regard. And we, God, we thank you that you bless some of that stuff. And it's just, it's your mercy. But Lord, we want to be mindful. We want to honor you. We want to have proper perspective of who you are, who we are. And we simply want to follow the bidding of your spirit. So speak to us. Thank you, God, that your message to Isaiah the prophet was, who will go, whom, who will go for us? Who will go for us? And Lord, that same message is being spoken. Who will go? Who, who will commit? Who, and the going, it's not necessarily going to Djibouti where you know it's 130 degrees in the shade every day of the year. No, the going is in the grocery store when you say, tell this person I love them, will we do it? Or our neighbor, going to our neighbor and knocking on the door and say, hey, I just wanted to tell you some good news what's happened in my life. Could we sit down and have a cup of coffee and let me 
you know, hear your story, tell my story, and then tell his story. And uh, so, Lord, help us to be faithful because the days are short. Jesus, you're coming soon. So, Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to get rid of the Uzziahs. And if we're the Uzziah, help us, Lord. As Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So, Lord, help us. Transform us. If there be anybody here or watching on uh, the live feed that need Jesus, I pray, God, today that as your word says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that, God, you raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. If you're here this morning and you want to put your hope and faith in Jesus, we encourage you to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. And if you make a commitment and say, I want to be a Christ follower, will you come to the prayer area and let our prayer team know that you've made a commitment to Christ? Maybe you're renewing your walk with the Lord. Father, for those renewing their walk, we just say, God, yay and amen. Yay and amen. Repentance, we come to you. I pray they would make their way to our prayer team and let them know also, I decided today to rededicate my life. But Lord, for each one of us, we could spend hours at the altar getting rid of the Uzziahs of our life. Help us, Lord, to rid ourselves of the things that hinder our ability to see you and to hear you. Be glorified, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said a strong amen. 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 Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Have an amazing week in Christ.